Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Vinny Vegas, and this is Pounding the Meat. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a very, very special guest right now. One of the most extreme professional wrestlers of all time. One of the most entertaining professional wrestlers of all time. The man, the myth, the legend, Sabu is here with us. But before we start the show, please like and subscribe to the channel. If you like the, the content that you see, hit that notification bell and hit all notifications so you're alerted when we post a new video. I'm ready to bring my special guest on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the one, the only, Sabu. There he is. Thank you. Sabu, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for, for being here with me, and, and thank you for your time. You got it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the career, your, your legendary career that's still going. You're still doing some uh, promotions now too, right? Uh, not, not really. I, I've been doing autograph signings and uh, appearances. I, I haven't been wrestling much. I hurt my back about a year ago. Since the pandemic has kind of slowed down a little bit, you know, uh, how's it been feeling to get back out there? Well, yeah, it feels good to be back out here. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I fell and I, I did a slip and fall. I fell down the same time the pandemic oh, hit. Shit. So we were out of work and I was injured. So oh, I couldn't go to the gym. I ain't been to the gym about a year. But uh, anyways, okay. uh, I'm not completely retired yet. I, I probably still have another match. But right now I'm, I'm retired for the moment. You're just, you know, taking it easy, making sure you're getting ready to get back out there. Yeah, sort of. You know, I'm in so much pain that I can't train yet. I got you. It's, it's just the back that's giving you problems? Yeah, well, my shoulder, my back, and a few other things. But my back is the, is the main thing. Okay. Well, we're going to send some good vibes out to you, Sabu, man. We, we would love to see you back in the ring. Of course, if you want to. I want to go back a, li a little bit, all right? Let's go back to when you started training, getting back into wrestling. Or getting into wrestling, I should say. Trained by the Sheik. Yeah. N nowadays, these guys go to like uh, a performance center, you know, a state-of-the-art performance center and everything's done for them. You know, they get paid to train. What was it like for you? What was it like old school way? Well, um, you, you, but when I started, you had to pay to be trained, which you paid with, with, you know, with work. You didn't pay with money. You paid with work by being, you know, a young boy or a servant. So yeah. time just changed, but I, I just got to accept it. You know, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way Vince changed it where everything turned into a script, but that's the way it is now. Back when you were getting into the business, right? What were the things that you had to do to prove yourself, to prove I belong here? I belong in the ring. Well, how I started was my uncle had me set through. I moved out to his house. It was the wintertime. And he had me set to get the ring, ring out, of the, out of the barn and set it up. And I set the ring up every day and every, tore it down every night, but never got to train in it. Not for seven months. He just had me set oh. it up and tear it down for seven months. And then that, I earned his respect to be trained. Got you. So you yourself, you had to pull the, the wrestling ring out of the barn, set it all up. Yes. By did, did he ever let he ever let you wrestle during the shows or anything, or or you were no, just the no, ring? I, I practiced uh, before the show, but I didn't okay. wrestle during the show. I refereed usually. Got you. And when? How long did you do that until your uncle said, "You know what? Let's let's see what you got. Let's get you in the ring for a show." Uh, about a little over five years. Wow. Wow. Five years, man. That's insane. That's see, that's paying your dues, man. That's blood, sweat. Exactly. And tears to I had to pay my dues, even though my uncle's a sheik. I still had to pay him. See, it's so different now. It's so, so different. These guys, they haven't made, 
They get paid to yeah. go there. They get paid to do whatever they're told to do. Read from scripts. No, you made yourself. The name Sabu, where did it come from? How did that start? Uh, my uncle was a fan of the Jungle Book. Uh, in the 1920s, there was a movie called The Jungle Book, and there's a, yeah. a character in it called Mobley. But the, the actor was named Sabu. My uncle was a fan of the actor. He always pretended he was the actor, Sabu, when he was growing right. up. Put a towel on his head and ran around acting crazy. Then yeah. when they had a son, my aunt, my uncle, they wanted to name, he wanted to name his son Sabu, but my aunt wouldn't let him. So they named the dog Sabu. But after the dog died, that's when I came along, and then uh, he named me Sabu. Sabu. And it was originally Sabu the Elephant Boy, right? What was the what was the ele- Elephant Boy moniker? <laughs> well, the Elephant Boy, I, I dropped it. An Elephant Boy in India is like a cowboy. They heard oh. elephants. It's a very dangerous job. It's not an easy job, either as being a cowboy. But uh, they heard elephants. So in India, if I was called Sabu the Elephant Boy, they would understand it. But here in the States, they don't understand it. It, it sounds like a joke. Yeah. So you, did you decide to drop that or was yeah, it? Uh, I had, yeah. I, yeah. And everywhere I went, they wanted to drop it also. They didn't like it either. Yeah. The elephant boy, but I, you can understand hurting elephants. Jesus Christ. I don't even know how yeah. that's done. You know, I can't even herd my own dog, let alone <laughs> elephants. So you're, you're working, you're working your way up. All right. We're going to skip forward a little bit. You're now Sabu. You drop the elephant boy moniker. You're Sabu in 93. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you try out for the WWF, the Federation, okay? You have some dark matches. You got to wrestle the late, great Owen Hart. Yes. First off, what was that match like? What was it like to be in the WWF, first of all? And not only that, but to wrestle Owen. Uh, I, I didn't really think much about it. I, I wasn't going to take their offer no matter what. So I already had a, my attitude adjusted to where I, I, didn't, I didn't want them. So, uh, and I didn't like the way... Uh, I, I'm used to it now. I don't like the way that, you know, WWE is ran with all the script and the camera work and the fancy uh, stuff, you know, the lighting and all that, and the, uh, the fireworks. I, I'm not really into all that. So that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't do nothing for me. So when I seen it, it didn't do nothing for me. So, but I did write, I like wrestling at Owen, but I did it for the money. I didn't do it for the tryout. Got you. Okay. So you went knowing I'm not taking this shit. I'm just yeah. going to go get some cash and bounce. Vince goes, how can you turn down a job with a company who might not even be there tomorrow? And I said, uh, I just can't. I just, I, I've already, already made my mind. Was he referring to ECW at the time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you had your mind made up that I'm going to ECW. I'm going to stop here for a little quick pit stop and get some cash, but I'm out. I'm going to ECW. Right. What was it like meeting Vince? Because love him or hate him, you know, he, he created a, a mammoth in WWE. WWF yeah. at the time. What was it like meeting him? He, he changed the business way more than I did. You know, uh, yeah. you know, I, I have to respect that. I don't hate him. I, I actually like him. Actually, he's a very uh, uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. You know, he's a genius, yeah. and, and he has a, a great vision, uh, and he still has one, and he's still yeah. humble the business. But yeah. uh, I, I actually liked him. He was okay. Now I hear different stories, right? You hear he's a very warm guy, he's welcoming, and then you hear he's an asshole. He's he's Satan. What was he like towards you? He was always very respectful towards me. Always very respectful. Talked talk low and, and right to the point and, and didn't joke around too much. But, and he said that he was amazed with my talent and that he said I was better than he thought and better than everybody else. But I don't know if he meant it because he didn't really stand behind me that much. Right. But, uh, I, I like being around him. He, he was okay. I just didn't hang out with him because he's not my, he's not my buddy. So I didn't want to hang out. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hang out with him. Yeah. 
when, when you got there, when you were doing the tryouts, who were some of the guys that you remember meeting and did you talk to anyone or, or bump shoulders yeah. with anybody? I talked to the Samoans, you know, uh, Sam, yeah. and I talked to uh, Bam Bam Bigelow oh, and, wow. uh, you know, Owen, of course, and Bret Hart, you know, and a few other guys. Yeah. Bret, Bret was pretty warming. Yeah, Bret's, Bret's a good guy, man. And and Owen, you know, we all we all know Owen. All wrestling fans respect Owen. It was probably an honor just to, to wrestle him for that dark match. But sure, listen, sure man, you, you did what you had to do. You, <laughs> yeah. felt, you felt in your heart that WWF wasn't the home for you. And if you could go back, though, Sabu, and to those dark matches, right, would you have taken the offer from Vince at that time? I, I, I like to say I would, but, but I, I still wouldn't. I was still, I wouldn't have been pr- proud of myself because they wanted me to be the Sultan and, and, and have the Iron Sheik as my manager. And that wasn't, that wasn't even a possibility. That wasn't even close. I wasn't even going to consider that. But that's what Vince had in mind. And so if, I turned down something that I, didn't appeal to me. It didn't appeal to okay. me, but would I take it now? No, but, but, but I kind of wish I would. <laughs> okay, so that was the gimmick he offered you was the Sultan. And uh, so your manager would have been Iron Sheik. Yeah. And right away, that turned you off to the whole thing? Oh, yeah. I, I was wrestling, you know, uh, eight, nine years at the time. So I was already set. I was already set. I, I didn't need someone to teach me anymore. Although I still was learning, but I didn't need to be taught anymore. I was already sat standing on my own, and I was proud of myself. Now, if I was to do that Sultan thing, I would have been proud of myself because I've been doing something, someone else's idea, and someone else's uh, brainstorm, not mine. Yeah. They kind of, like, would take your gimmick and then tweak it to to make it what exactly. they wanted so they, to so do. They modify it. Yeah. Did they want you to do uh, promos on your own, or was Iron Sheet going to be the mouthpiece? The Iron Sheik was probably going to do the promos. The Sultan was supposed to have a mask on his mouth that he got his tongue taken out. So he had a mask. Um, that was going to explain why I didn't talk. Okay. But uh, I really didn't get too far into it. I, I wasn't interested. Yeah. So you're just like, uh, you just listened to what he had to say and yeah, just to be and polite and keep it moving. In 93, you, you win the uh, ECW title from, from Shane, right? Mr. Yeah. Shane Douglas. And we, we had Shane on the show not too long ago. Awesome, awesome guy. How was it like working with Shane Douglas? It was great. Very professional. He put me over huge my first match in uh, my first time I wrestled him for the, for the belt. Uh, I didn't expect him to do that, but uh, he did. And he's a very gracious guy. He seems like he, to this day, he's one of those guys that respects and loves the business. And, yes, uh, he, and he does. And, and he cares a lot about, you know, the history of it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, another thing I'll mention to you is a lot of these new guys, you know, we'll get into the current product, but a lot of these new guys don't seem to respect the history of pro wrestling. It's basically I'm here, make my money and get my fame and, and have some clout on social media. Uh, <laughs> what, do, what do you think of that uh, opinion? Do you think that that's what it is today? Yeah, because the, 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 you can contact almost anybody if you know their email or their, their Facebook thing or whatever. You know, so you can talk to almost anybody. So, and, then, and a lot of people talk to me who didn't think they would, but they can get hold of me. So social media has broke that down to where they can be on your level. So I, I, I don't particularly like it, but like I said, I got to accept it. Yeah, it's it's the way it is now. But back then, that's is. what really helped kayfabe was no contact. You know, it, exactly. was, it was this mystery. It was a, it was a secret, like, like a secret brotherhood. You know, once you became a wrestler, you, you already know that you didn't tell anybody about it. You keep it a secret. Back in the day when kayfabe was the thing right how would you avoid being seen publicly you know uh to keep your persona alive 
Yeah, I just, you just, I don't know. Uh, I never had that problem. I didn't get recognized that much on the street. So I, I didn't get, I had that problem. Either, my uncle got recognized, but people were scared of him. So nobody messed with him. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, I know. Like I said, I was never that, that over outside the ring. I don't look the same when I'm walking through the airport and stuff. Gotcha. Todd Gordon. Was he the man that brought you to ECW? Because people get confused. They think it was Paul Heyman, right? But it was Todd Gordon. Well, I talked to Paul for a while through, through this uh, photographer, Linda Rufus. She told him about me. So he, I, I was talking to him for a few months. And then Dennis Carluzzo called me and said, uh, call Todd Gordon. He's a sucker. You can get 500 bucks out of him. So <laughs> I called Todd Gordon. And, and he, he put me over. And uh, I, I didn't have the guts to ask him for 500, so I asked him for 300. And he said, yeah. So he brought me in. It happened to be the same day he fired Eddie Gilbert and he hired Paul Lee. So me and Paul Lee were in the same place at the same time without, wow. a, without a plan, you know. Wow. So, so it's like, me go out and wrestle, and, and I got over it, and I got over The stars aligned at that, at that moment. What was it yeah. like meeting Paul Lee for the first time? Was he, is he the same guy as he was then, or – yeah, you know, he, he, t- he tells you uh, all these good things about you, but then you hear him lying about something, then then you wonder if he, what he's saying about t- saying to you is even true. And mm-hmm. and, and and he has a passion for even the stuff he makes up. <laughs> Tell me when you realized ECW with Paul Heyman was really starting to take off. What, what was what was starting to happen? Who what was going on at that time? Well, every time I went there, the the, the, the attendance kind of doubled. You know, first yeah. it was like 200 people, then it was 400 people, then it was 800 people, then it was 1,000, and then up to 2,000. Every time I came in, it kept growing. So, you know, it felt good to do that. You know, you could see it, see it growing. Yeah. And you became synonymous with uh, breaking tables. It was, it was you, Sabu. It was you, the guy who, who really made it a thing. And barbed wire matches, Sabu. I, I know you've been asked this a million times, right? But there's a lot of people who are going to be watching this that probably haven't heard about it or, or really heard the answer. What the hell what goes through your mind? What the hell goes through your mind when you know a barbed wire match is coming? How do you prepare uh, for that? It's just another match. It's a work. You know, it's a work. It's what you make of it. It's only as dangerous as you make it. If you don't want it to be dangerous, you don't have to be. But I made it, you know, I, I tried hard at it, so I, it was dangerous and, uh, and the people liked it. Uh, I didn't particularly like it or dislike it. I did it because it was my job. I, I just did it because I, whatever job I'm faced with, I, I, I'll try my best at it. Right. Um, you see uh, interviews with Mick Foley. He's like, I kind of like the pain. You know, some people kind of. No, so yeah, I, I'm not like that. I, I don't like the pain. I, I can take it. I can take it. As, I don't like it. I was going to ask you, you, you definitely have a high pain tolerance, right? To, to do the yeah, same stuff you did in the ring. Um, I don't have that pain talent anymore, but I did. Yeah, yeah, you lost it over time, right? Yeah. Yeah. With with uh, Terry Funk, man, a- another legend, and we hope he's doing better. You know, he he was going through some health issues. We hope he's doing better. Um, yeah, he, he'll get better. That that match, the the iconic, you know, barbed wire match. At the end of it, did you feel that it was going to be as iconic as it is now? Uh, no, uh, I kind of thought, uh, it, it was fucked up because we got stuck in the barbed wire, but I ended up adding to the match. When we were getting cut out, I go, oh man, we fucked up. We were stuck in this boyer. But I actually added to the match. So it made the match better. But I didn't think it was going to be, uh, talked about 10 years later or even yeah. the next year. Like I thought it would be another match. It's, it's known as one of the greatest and most gruesome matches of all time. Yeah. Um, that's what I hear. you, you actually have a book out and I'll put the link, uh, to the book in the description of this video 
and on our social media posts when this when this video airs. Here Thank it is. You. Yes, it Sabu, is. Sabu, scars, silence, and super glue. I love the title. Uh, <laughs> super glue. Sabu. Super glue. Was that was that your thing? You were like, you know, I got to get some super glue to to fix myself up. Well, uh, I actually use crazy glue. I, I, I stopped saying crazy glue because there's a patent on the name crazy glue. Super glue is, is uh, generic. Gotcha. But anyways, I read it somewhere where uh, in World War One or two or something that they use cra- uh, su- uh, surgical glue to, to close wounds until they got into a mass unit. So, so uh, my first Bob wire match, I had to go to the hospital and they gave me stitches. It took all night to get stitches. It, it wasted my whole day because I got out of the hospital at like eight in the morning and I had to get right back on the bus. And so yeah. the next time I got cut, I, I, I crazy glued it, uh, oh super glued it because I didn't feel like going to the hospital. And then, then I called on, I started crazy gluing the whole dressing room. <laughs> the, the, the tear in the bicep, you know, is we're going to get to the broken neck soon, but was that one of your worst injuries? Would you say? Uh, yes and no. It, it wasn't after I got back to the, to the back because it was just a flesh wound, you know, right. uh, but uh, while it was happening, when I when I did it in the ring, I panicked because I was I was bleeding out of my vein and and my I could see right to my bone and my bicep cut into and, uh, and I still had to continue the match. The match practically just, just started and I knew how to continue the match, but uh, I was losing so much blood that's where I had time to give me the the tape to, to cut off my circulation so I could continue. ECW really made your career kind of explode here, okay? And then in '95 you go to New Japan. What was the difference wrestling in New Japan than it is in the States? What are, what are the main differences? Well, they, at the time, when, at the, between Japan and the States, was the States was a joke and Japan was serious. They treat you like a, like a, a sports hero in Japan and in the States, they treat you like a joke because WWE was, was, a, was, a, was, a, was you know, comical. But, yeah. uh, but Japan, they gave us more respect and we all liked going to Japan more. But then when we went to Japan all the time, it got to be kind of sucked because, you know, we're away from our family so much. Right. Was was the pay better in Japan? Oh yeah, way better. Uh, yeah. hundred times better. Now, when you say the states were a joke, uh, as far as WWF is concerned, is it because during that era all the characters, like the the doink the clowns and stuff like that? Everybody said you had to have a gimmick. To me, not everybody has to have a gimmick. You know, some gimmicks are no gimmick. That's the gimmick. You know, they're wrestlers. They're not. They're not comicals or uh, right. cartoons. Professional wrestling in the states, people laughed about it. And, and yeah. you mentioned professional wrestling in Japan and people were serious about it, like a, like a baseball player. So right. I didn't like to, I never told people in the States I was a, a pro wrestler. I never said that. Right. Were you, were you kind of embarrassed that during that era to even yeah, say because you were pro wrestling? They, they say, Oh, you're a wrestler. You must be one of those guys that get beat all the time. Cause you're not very big. And then uh, I go, well, I don't want to talk about it. You know, yeah. they, cause they don't understand. I don't want to explain it to them. Right. In uh new Japan were were Americans, American pro wrestlers kind of looked at as like, as idols, as gods, in a way. Would you yeah, say? kind of, because uh, pro wrestling started in the states. So whenever you, you wrestle in Japan, they do the the one two three and one two three instead of HD side. They don't they don't count in Japanese. They count in English in the couch in Spanish because uh, from where the wrestling came from, Mexico and the United States. Yeah, and, and plus Americans were bigger than the Japanese. A lot of the Americans because they, they always they always try to get somebody big, especially Bob's company. They always got big guys. And right. uh, so the Americans were always, usually always bigger. I was one of the smaller ones, but, but the, still they were never somebody because I was, my uncle was a sheik, but they didn't have to be interested in me. What is one of your most memorable matches from New Japan? Uh, in New Japan? Uh, yeah. 
but I had one in uh, uh, January 5th, 1995, uh, Tokyo Dome. Like, me and uh, Chono versus uh, Pujanami and Harada. That, that one was pretty big. That was like 60,000 60, people. 60,000 people, man. Yeah. What was it like hearing the roar of that crowd, man? It, it was it was quiet. It wasn't that much of a roar. It was really? quiet. Yeah, you, like the, the rain is above the people. So you, you when you breathe and stuff, you can hear it echo all the way back. Like you, you be breathing hard and you hear yourself breathing hard back. So and, and when you talk, you can hear yourself. You know, it's so quiet. Now and then, you know, you, you, you tear the house down. But most of the time, it's quiet. People are intrigued by it. You know, they watch it like they're watching a chess game. Is it true that during the matches in, in Japan that the crowd is silent, like out of respect yeah. to the wrestlers. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It feels like you're doing a bad job, but the, the yes. meaning is a bad job. I was going to ask you how, yeah. how difficult is it to kind of gauge the match with the silence, you know? Yeah. You just got to believe in what you're doing is, is, is the right thing. You know, gotcha. even though they're quiet, they, they don't know what they're seeing or if they do know what they're seeing, they don't know how to react. In 95, you return to ECW and you have a, a Rob Van Dam feud. Are you still cool with Rob Van Dam to this day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk every couple of days. Do you? What was it like yeah. feuding with that guy, man? He, uh, another legend in, in wrestling. Uh, it, it was cheating because I trained him, so it was, it was easy wrestling him because he wrestled right. the way I wanted him to, too, and I wrestled the way he was used to. And so right. it, was, it was cheating. So I don't, I don't brag about it that much because, uh, you know, we cheated. By, by, like, I wrestled him uh, in 2010 for TNA. And everybody goes, oh, that was a great match. And I go, well, why is everybody surprised? I trained with this guy for 20 years. Why, why was the surprise that it was a good match? Yeah. Like, oh, like it was a surprise. You think he's one of the guys that you gelled with the best in the ring? Yeah. Rob is definitely one of the, the best gelers. And then you had, of course, your, your feud with Taz. Um. You had some ups and downs with Taz. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, but uh, we're cool now. But uh, but even then, I liked him because he was he was pretty competitive. He's very competitive. He, he he and he was always trying to you know get in my get in and on whatever I was doing. He was trying to get in on it. And and, and eventually, uh, we we had a, a breakup where we all, were almost fighting. When it comes to to wrestling or working with someone, you know, some people are considered more stiff than others, right? They they're a little more rough in the ring. Yeah. Do you respect that about people, or is that really a thing that that's a no no in pro wrestling? No, it's okay to be rough and stiff. Uh, I, I respect that. Uh, I don't like guys that are too light. But uh, the, like say the Undertaker, he was so light you don't feel him. Now if you're stiff really? to him, he'll bitch about you. He'll get you fired. But if you're stiff with me, I, I won't get you fired. I'll tell you to ease up or or keep it up. The top guys in WWF, if you're too stiff to them, they'll get you fired. Wow, that's fucking wild, man. I never had anybody really complain that much. If anybody did complain, I'd ease up right away. But they didn't complain. I, I kept it up stiff. And, and everybody says I got the stiffest punch. Not really. Just I, I do have. I have a potato. Every three punches I throw, the third one's a potato. So yeah. and that's just the way it, the way it is. <laughs> now a potato is that like one that really smacks you? Is that the yeah? It really gotcha. hits you. Okay. Undertaker was super light in the ring. Do you yeah, consider he's, Undertaker? He's one of the best. Really. He's one of the best. You consider him like. One of, you just said one of the greatest ever, right? Yes. Um, but that's kind of weird, man. That he would get you, he would get you fired if you were too rough with him. Isn't that a little weird yeah. to be a pro wrestler and, and act like that? Yeah, but you know, we, we do it every day. You can't have a guy making a mistake and punching you in the mouth every night. You know, gotcha. you, uh, you got to yeah. calm him down. Now, if it's, but my, my, I would punch a guy in the mouth hard every night. But it was a light punch, but they could feel it. It was easy to sell. I always made it easy to sell. So Sabu. We talked about your, your injury with the bicep earlier, right? 
Now you've broken your neck twice. Twice. No, see, the second time that was a work. It just looked like I did, but I didn't. I hurt my neck, but it wasn't. I don't think I broke it again. I didn't even go to the hospital. I just said Got it. you. So you. So we'll go back. You say you broke your neck. All right. Originally, you I, broke I, your I neck. did break my neck the one time against Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Yes. All right. Did Did you ever get along with Chris? Uh, yes and no. Um, we didn't hang out, but he 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 helped me get booked in New Japan, and then my first feud was with him in New Japan. So and, and so we got along, but we didn't hang out with each other, and and we were two different people. We we didn't listen to the same music. We didn't like the same things. It's not that I didn't like him, but I, I didn't like him. Not I didn't like him that much, but I didn't dislike him that much either. Got you. Okay. So you guys no, just I didn't. I don't, I don't judge it on on my neck either. I didn't like him because he's just not my kind of guy. Got you. He he just wasn't a, a guy that you would hang out with outside of work. Exactly. You know, you know nothing okay. nothing really stands out. He's just not my kind of guy. When you broke your neck, was there some type of hostility after that, or no, or no, no? I knew it wasn't on, on purpose. I, I was a little bit mad at first because I thought he was reckless because he kept telling me in the back when he throws me to land flat, but don't don't tuck. And but when he threw me, my legs kept going higher. And, I, and, and my head kept going lower, and I, I couldn't stop, and then it came straight down on my head. Jesus Christ! But he could have been a little carefuler. But yeah. he, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't care that much. But I just thought he could have been carefuler, and uh, yeah. I didn't think he did that purpose. I thought he was reckless. Did you know you broke your neck when it happened? Did oh you, yeah, it snapped. You can hear really? it like firecrackers. Shit. It didn't snap in half, though. I'm, I take that back. It's compression fracture. So uh, when it, my vertebrae cracked, but my spinal cord was uh, was fine. My spinal cord was bruised, but it was fine. Okay. Now Hayabusa, he was a wrestler from FMW. He, he broke his neck. He severed his spinal cord. He severed it. Oh, so, God. His was cut. He was paralyzed right away. You hear all these horror stories. I mean. Some guys have been paralyzed in the ring. Thank God. Oh, yeah. You. And uh, a lot of guys got paralyzed by like the Triple H and by Shawn Michaels with their with their uh, their shitty finishes and stiff finishes. And, and they, they would sue WWE and those guys keep going. And they yeah. have Triple H probably got paralyzed two or three guys. There's two or three guys in wheelchairs because of him. Jesus Christ. I don't think man. I put anybody in a wheelchair. I might have put one person. Maybe he, they probably deserved it, though. Fuck, <laughs> oh, man. My God. My God, dude. <laughs> but, but he put a few guys in the hospital. Uh, and and he paralyzed a few guys. Fuck, man! And he's still there. He's he's one of the and big he's still there, big yeah. wigs, big wigs. He, he's the son-in-law. Yeah, you know, yeah. Chris Benoit. We all know what happened, which is an awful, awful tragedy. Did you see a guy like that doing something like that? Did you, were there signs? No, now, like I said, he wasn't my kind of guy. I, I didn't care for him that much, but I didn't see that. You know, there's no yeah. way I seen that. Uh, Nancy was a very good friend of mine. She, when I broke in the business, her and Kevin Sullivan helped me out so much. Me and her were the same age, so she was like a sister to me. And then 20 years later, I'm working in New York or WWE, and she's there too with you know Chris. So that was kind of weird. But uh, and I, I was still friends with Kevin to this day. If she was alive, I'd be friends with her right this moment still. Right. What was your reaction when you heard that? Could you even believe oh, it? It was shocking and, and heartbreaking. You know. Hard to believe that he would could take you know. I understand him killing Nancy. Anybody, I don't think I don't I don't I don't approve of it. But I can understand a, man, a husband getting mad at his wife and killing right. her on accident. I can understand that, but right. I can't understand him killing his son. That that I, I can't wrap my head around. That. I can't I can't understand that. That's beyond the line. Like, I get what you're saying. There could be a fit of rage. Something happened. You know. Yeah, and, that, that that's understandable. Sort of. You know. Right. I don't I don't I don't condone it, but I understand right. that. No, I know what you mean, but the, but the child, when you hear that, you go, oh my God, 
What do you? Well, he had some compassion because he gave them a Xanax before he choked him. So I yeah. guess he choked him while he's unconscious. Do you think it was? Do you think it was guilt after the fact, and he just couldn't live with himself? Do you think that's uh, what it was? Yeah, I don't think he wants his son to have to live through it. And but you know, from what I heard, I don't know for sure. But Nancy was tied up and tortured and hogtied for two or three days. Jesus, and was dead for the longest that that of three. And so I, I don't know what was going through his head. He was beating the shit out of her, and and uh, it wasn't like a, a roid rage. Road rage, you go mad for about five or ten minutes, and then you come calm down. You don't get mad for three days and, and don't touch the ground. You know, he had a lot of up and down time. Even, you know, text Chavo Guerrero saying he loved him and all that stuff. During the same time, he's supposed to have been killing his family. You know, like, those are two different emotions, saying he loves somebody and killing somebody. So after these matches you would have, the barbed wire matches, the table matches, I, I remember hearing an interview where you talk about the medics that were backstage, right? The medics. Uh, were these guys just off the street or were these professional EMTs here? Yeah, they were EMTs, but they're voluntary. You know, they're called damage control. They, they, yeah. they were they, they lived in Philly and they, and they had an ambulance, a husband and wife, and yeah. uh, uh, they ended up breaking up and the, uh, the wife ended up going with a wrestler. But anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, they're about they're voluntary. But yeah, we need them. They, they had they had a, they made themselves look more important than they was. When you're back there in the locker room at ECW, you know, I hear that there was kind of like. It was a family, right? You were, you, oh, yeah, it was a family, yeah. it was a brotherhood, but then there was a, there was a totem pole, right? The big guys yeah. were on top and then the new guys, they stayed on their side of the room. Yeah, I guess you could say that, but uh, my, like Taz had his spot in the dressing room. Uh, other guys had their spot and I had my spot. My spot was everywhere. Uh, everybody hung out with me at one point. Like I used to hang out with New Jack all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and people don't they never know, never knew that. And uh, but anyways, but uh, we each had our own little spot in the dressing room, like Rob and and uh, 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 Pee Wee, my referee, and a few other guys would be in my my area. And anybody who was new in town used to pass by through my area and came to my area first, and then we yeah. smoke a joint or something and uh, introduce yeah. them to the rest of the dressing room. Were those some of the best times? Just hanging out back backstage with the guys? Yeah, that, that is the best time. You, uh, you hear the best stories and you have the best. Uh, the best thoughts about wrestling, you know, and the most creative was when you're in the dressing room. Were you one of those guys that would welcome in some of the newbies and, and kind of share sure. them around? Yeah. Uh, if they didn't shake my hand, I would shake their hand, but if they didn't offer their hand the second time. I wouldn't shake their hand no more, but, gotcha. but if they offered their hand, I always shook it. But I, in case they were nervous, I always put my hand out first. Now, if they, if they put my hand out first and they didn't see it, I wouldn't put my hand out again. Gotcha. For instance, Ric Flair, he'd come in the dressing room, shake everybody's hand and skip mine with my hand out. He'd skip it, embarrass me. And then I'd go to shake his hand. I'd shake everybody's hand. I'd come to him. Right before I put it out, he'd turn his back on me. So I'd, I'd turn, he'd turn his back and my hand would be uh, trying to get a handshake from his back. So I, I stopped keeping my hand out for him and I motherfuckered him. I motherfucker you, think that was, you think it was jealousy? I, I don't know. But there's no reason for him to be jealous of anybody. He's top of the world. And he always was, and he always will be. And uh, uh, there was no reason for him to be jealous. But I seen him and heard of him stepping on younger guys when he doesn't have to. He was already on top. He's world champion, and he's stepping on guys or, or stopping them from 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 uh, coming up. Uncle taught me if if someone is being held back, that that means you're not really getting ahead. Now, if I'm better than this guy because I'm better than this guy, that's one thing. But if I'm only better than him because he's being held back, I'm not really be, being better than them. Right. Exactly. And not only that, but 
you're not going to do this forever, right? And if someone really well, cares about that, the I art actually of thought I could do it forever. I actually <laughs> thought I could. <laughs> Everyone thinks that at, at <laughs> some point, but you, you want this business to kind of thrive and continue. And yes. that only happens when the veterans really kind of show the young guys, this is what you do. Not really make it easy for them, but hey, this is what the fuck you got to do. Well, like in Japan, when, when you start wrestling there, you become somebody's young boy. So when we, me and my uncle went to Japan, uh, uh, Hayabusa was our young boy. He, he carried our bags. He did everything for us while we were in Japan, washed our clothes, uh, mm -hmm. translated for us, got us food, anything we wanted. He was there. That was part of his paying his dues. And he got to learn from us it, right. while he was taking care of us. I, I helped train him. So we would practice together. Gotcha. So, he okay. would, you know, he would pay me by carrying my bag and doing my laundry. I'd pay him back by teaching him how to wrestle. So we're talking about the back, the backstage of, of ECW and the parties. Everyone talks about the ECW parties. I hear they're the best around as far out of all the organizations, the ECW parties were the best, were the place to be. I talked to new Jack, not before he passed May he rest in peace. And he told me there was this holiday in, uh, that no, go to. what was it? Travel lodge. The that travel was the lodge. He yes. talked to me and he told me we would go to, to this, to this hotel. It was right outside the ECW arena and all the ring rats were there, you know, and we would, we would meet at the bar and we would drink till two or three in the, till it closed till two or three in the morning. Can you say that's what happened? Were those parties as wild as they, as they were? Yeah. Well, we drink till two or three AM and then go to our room and drink till the morning. Oh drink till six AM. And then do other stuff, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Not the, uh, <laughs> It, it must have been wild, man. It must have been some of the best times yeah, of your life. It, it was it was cool because we, we were king shit. Like uh, me, Sandman, Van Dam, Taz, Dreamer. Like we couldn't do no wrong. We we, we were the the backbone of the company. So whatever yeah. we did, we got away with. And then you know, uh, and to the parties. He, although Paul heard about him, he never did nothing about it. He never could, could, never reprimanded us. Never said slow down on the party in or nothing. He, ne he never did nothing. He said whatever it takes for you to do your job in the ring. That's what it takes. I think he also probably thought it would bring some camaraderie between the locker room. Yeah, and, it did. You know. Like I said, like you mentioned before, it was a family. Yeah, it was. When somebody got hurt, we all, we all, we all were concerned about it. If I was out in the back smoking a joint and I heard someone got hurt, I'd come in and, and check on them. Or, or if someone was out back getting a fight, I'd go outside and help them. One time I got the fight out back and uh, the whole dressing room emptied out and, and helped me. You were just on uh, an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, I didn't see it, but yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I, I got to see it and and saw you on there. That was that was awesome. And uh, you. talked about talked a little bit about the run in in uh, XPW, which was the the wannabe ECW. Would you would you agree? Right. I agree. Yeah, it it was porn and wrestling basically. <laughs> porn and yeah. wrestling. Combined. I didn't know that till I went out there. <laughs> okay, so what what happened? How were you, how were you brought into XPW? What were you told about this organization? Uh, Shane Douglas told me about it. And so I called the guy, this guy, Rob Black. And then, uh, he called me back, of course. And then we talked and he brought me in and, uh, he, 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 he promised me, he, he said yes to everything I wanted, but didn't give it to me. Exactly. You know, he, he didn't say no to anything, but he never gave me a straight answer. And so, but at the time I didn't, I didn't care that much because, uh, I just left ECW and I was still hot in Japan and I was still hot in the States. So anywhere I went, it was still, it was still good for me. And, and yeah. I didn't expect it. The, to me, XCW was just another payday. It wasn't uh, like ECW. I wasn't uh, committed to it like ECW. I'm committed to everywhere I work, but but I'm not commit. I wasn't committed to it to to like ECW or ECW was my family. You know, right.
this was just something to get some, a, a quick payday and, and keep it moving. Yeah, it was a payday, and I wanted to go to LA. You know, I like going to LA. It was always fun to go in LA, and so and I'd, I'd go out there every month for about you know three or four days. So that, that was great, and they treated mm-hmm. me well. You know, uh, until uh, the last few weeks when uh, I can't remember what. Well, Messiah was screwing uh, Rob Black's wife, and yeah. they wanted Messiah to beat me. And I said, okay, but when they, when they came down for the match, he wanted to kill Messiah. So he wanted to beat me. So I said, no. So we, they did a thing where I ended up losing it. And then, uh, and he ended up firing me and the same Got day. You. And that was a, a couple of days later is when he cut Messiah's thumb off. I was going to ask you, uh, do you know for a fact that it was Rob Black or is oh, it yeah, just who else? Who else? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who else? It, it was crazy. Now, was, was it supposed to be the thumb or was it? Did no, I, I think it's supposed to be his dick because uh, they were trying to get his pants off and they stabbed him in the groin area. But they told him, they told Messiah that just give up. They smashed him in the head of the fish tank, you know, beat the shit out of him. And he said that they were so tired and they were just begging him just to give up. He gave up. He said he seen his thumb in the cheers and he just let it, let him do it just so they quit. But they tried to get his other thumb off and uh, they couldn't get it. And uh, oh he looked around for the thumb. He couldn't find it. They, they ran off with the thumb. They were, they were bloodthirsty. Oh. And of course, they were they were they were on a hit. They didn't do that because they had a there was nothing personal there. They were business. They went in to, to cut this guy's dick or thumb off, and they did. Yeah, I think they're going for his dick because I can I can see Rob Black saying cut his fucking dick off. I can see him saying. <laughs> was he, dick. What was Rob Black like backstage, man? Was he was he always just out there like gone? Yeah, he was always over the top. Everything was like fucking you know gusto all the way you know nothing was ever like low-key or like whenever he told me a story it was always like in the moment like oh my god fucking guy you know this you know never like a <laughs> a normal story never talked normal to me he's always you know fucking this and and cocksucking that and, you know and <laughs> i thought he was the guy he wore he wore shoes with five inch heels on it i didn't really? know that <laughs> When did you realize it was a porn company? Like what? I didn't know like, when I went out there. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Shane mentioned something about it. He goes, but you don't have to, you, we don't have to deal with none of the porn stuff. So I didn't know what he was talking about. When I went out there, I realized what he was talking about. The porn office and the wrestling office was the same thing. They actually yeah. shot porn in the ring, the practice ring. So there's fucking cum in that practice ring. I, I couldn't, <laughs> and it stunk. And, and like in the, in the one room, they had porn shooting a, a, a scene. In the other room, they were practicing wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, uh, uh, it was so distracting we couldn't concentrate on the wrestling with the porn going on. <laughs> it was very distracting. Oh my god! And Rob Black's porn was the over-the-top porn. The, yeah. the shit out of each the drinking, the piss, and, oh. and and all this gross stuff. And I watched it. Uh, it, 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 it was disturbing. It, it was fucking. Was it, re- was it really what they said it was? Like you just said, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, they, they did a thing where the guy sat over this woman's face and he shit on her, and there was no trick camera photography. There was no trick Jesus. photography. He shit on her. You know what's crazy, Sabu? That there's a market out there for that because he was making money on this yeah, shit. Well, see, no well, pun intended. The drop company also was, he, he made custom videos. So if you give him 10 grand and you give him a script, he'll make you a private video for just you that he oh. mass produces it and sells it anyways. Holy fuck, man. He had a good thing going. He just, he just pushed the lines too much. I like, tried to take uh, porn over certain state lines or something. Got in trouble for that. You're in jail. His porn uh, company was funding the business. So it must have been yeah. doing well, you know? Yeah. You mentioned uh, yeah. New Jack. You, you got along with New Jack, right? Uh, you never had no Yeah, he was one of my him. better friends, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's one of my better friends. He, uh, you always hear 
different things about New Jack, but it's cool that you got to really be friendly with him. And it, it, he was funny seeing him on the same episode with you and uh, Rob let him have a forklift to go back and choose as much porn yeah. as he wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah but we, I was talking to New Jack a few weeks before he died and uh, yeah. we were talking about maybe doing a podcast together. You know, oh. you know, Sabu and Bandana, or Sabu and New Jack podcast where uh, we hate everybody. And he actually, yeah, he actually died when he was on my mind. I was thinking about him when I got word he died. I was actually thinking about him. You know, what's crazy, Sabu. Uh, I recorded an interview with him back in March and I uh, and I saved it. Right. I was like, we're going to release it on this day. Right. And it ended up being the, the day he died was the day I was going to oh. release it. So I held it and I reached out to his family his wife. And I said, listen, out of respect for you, I want to get the okay from you before I release it. Cause it was his final interview. Oh, uh, she's a nice woman. She, uh, yeah, Jennifer's she's nice. wonderful, wonderful, uh, but wonderful family. And she gave me her blessing on that, but yeah. it, it really hit home, man. You never know how long you have on this earth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we got to take every day and, and live to the fullest. You know, it's funny you said that because my wife, uh, she just died a few months ago and, and, and then uh, the other day I went by my friend's apartment and found him dead in his apartment. Jesus. And so that has just been following me. Our condolences uh, from the team here and our love uh, to you. Uh, Thank you. It's never easy. I lost my uh, grandfather and my best friend in February to, to COVID of all things. Oh, um, no. Awful, awful, awful. M Melissa, super genius. She had COVID. We didn't know it. She got over it. And then uh, she lost her leg. And then... Uh, she was sick every other day, and then uh, one day she had a heart attack. It's rough, man. And yeah. she was she was getting checked in, you know, for all her heart and everything, and everything was fine. And then they said she she had heart disease. But, you know, after she died, they found out she had heart disease. But she had an EKG three or four days before this, before this happened. Yeah. My God. Well, once again, our love goes out to you, Sabu, about that. And I don't know if you know, but she died in my hands. So I feel very guilty about it. And the, the, the doctors in the corner said that uh, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't have made it even in a hospital settings, but I don't believe that. I, just didn't, I didn't call the ambulance soon enough. I was doing, trying to do the CPR. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what I would say to you, Sabu, is, you know, you, you can't let, allow yourself to feel guilt. But I have to. It's, she died in my hands in my care. And no, uh, yeah. I'll never forgive myself. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully one day, you know, you'll have the strength to realize that it's not your fault, you know, and it's all we can do is pray for you. It happened to my care. And if it yeah. happened to my care, it's my, my mistake. I, I should have called the ambulance as soon as I noticed her not breathing, but I thought I could revive her. And I didn't yeah. have my phone on me at the time. So when yeah. I was doing CPR, I was looking around the room for the phone. And when I got yeah. it, I ran and got it, put it on speaker, and then did it continue with the CPR. But when I started the CPR, I thought, I got, I got this. I'll save her. Did yeah. it. I wouldn't even, I didn't even panic yet. I didn't yeah. panic for about five minutes when she wasn't reviving. Yeah. We just want you to know it's, it's not no matter what you think. I know, I know it's, it's hard to think that you're going to always blame yourself, you know, but hopefully one day you get over that. Cause everyone has a time. You know what I mean? Everyone has a time. To tell you the truth. I don't deserve to get over it. I should have saved her. I don't care what anybody says about the hospital saying uh, she was savable. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I had enough of that let's uh let's talk about the current product okay what's going on today in wrestling aew wwe these guys are it's it's almost it it's not quite 
WCW, WWF, but it's, it's getting there, right? What do you think? What do you think about this competition now? I think it's good. Uh, I'm glad there's another company besides Vince what's paying that kind of money. You know, DNA yeah. was a bit of a joke because they didn't pay like that. You know, although mm-hmm. it was a, uh, I could, when I was in TNA, I considered it a cheap, a poor man's WWE mm-hmm. because it looked like we were making money, but we weren't. Like the top guys, uh, Hogan, of course, was. Dixie Carter wasn't making the money. She lost a ton of money. She lost millions and millions of dollars. And so did her wow. father. But anyways, wow. uh, uh, WWE was always going to be the number one. I don't care if anybody says that. You know, I wish someone else could knock him off the top, but, but it's not going to happen, I don't think. They, they, yeah. they have their roots or they're, you know, they had their claws in everything, every, every aspect of entertainment. They own pretty much all the names, you know, all the, all the, all the, they had the right trademarks. Everybody's going crazy over the, the hall of fame bullshit. It, it's bullshit because it's, if it wasn't Vince doing it, I would say it's not bullshit, but since it's Vince, he's doing it to, to draw more people to buy more tickets. He's not doing it to honor the wrestlers. He's, he's right. making it sound like he is, but he's not. I was going to ask you about that. Do you think what would happen if you got the phone call? to be in the Hall of Fame, how would you feel? What would be your, your immediate reaction? Uh, I wouldn't get that excited. I'd only be excited because I'd eat the money now and, and it would be a good payday. And, uh, I would probably motherfucker the company, motherfucker the W the Hall of Fame when I got it. Cause I'd say, yeah, I'll accept it. And I go out there and I'll say, yeah, fuck you guys. This ain't worth the shit. But, uh, but uh, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably be thankful and grateful. But uh, right. at the moment, I, I don't care about it. It's not. A, it's not really a Hall of Fame. It's just a you know another payday for the WWE. Yeah, it's just a. Uh, well, they are uh, finally. They announced that they're building some sort of Hall of Fame uh, venue or something. My yeah, that would change my thoughts on it hundred percent. If they had I a agree. building, a Hall of Fame building, then I would say that's a Hall of Fame. There's a place where yeah. you could actually touch it and talk to it and read it. You, know? you can go see the memorabilia, the history, the videos. You know what I'm saying? Now, I, I go to a, a Hall of Fame in, in um, Amsterdam, New York, and that's pretty much like a real Hall of Fame. They have Ed the Stranger Lewis and all these, you know, old guys. Uh, Ed Lou has and all that stuff. All these guys, yeah. and they have they have uh, 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 memorabilia from my uncle. My uncle gave them years ago. You know, and my uncle didn't get this. He never sold his stuff. He never did interviews. He, you know, he he never uh, did like we're doing today by selling our gear. He never did that. But he gave them gear for their for their the museum. They have a museum. That's what it's called. They have a uh, gotcha. pro wrestling museum, and I like going there. That uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, the history of the guys, I don't know because they're too old. But still, I like reading about it. Yeah, because I, I I just moved to Florida not too long ago, right? And Hogan has a couple of beach shops down here, and what's cool about them is when you go in, he has a lot of old memorabilia, like yeah, under the cool. giant trunks, the boots, stuff like that. Really historical awesome. stuff. And I yeah. just wish there were more places like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To really see the, the history of pro wrestling. Well, there's another one in Iowa, uh, the Dan Gable uh, Museum. That, that, that's a good Hall of Fame muscle. That's got amateur okay. wrestlers and pro wrestlers. I was supposed to go to the Hall of Fame this year in uh, Iowa, but the, they didn't have it. I got a couple of fan questions for you. All right, here we go. Number one, Sabu. Who was the toughest person you ever faced in the ring? Like you knew, shit, tonight's going to be a fucking fight. Um, probably Sandman. Because uh, when I wrestled him, uh, I wrestled him one time, and, and Lance Storm said, I bet everything hurts on you except for your hair. 
I go, fuck, are you kidding me? He pulled my hair out. I said, that's the, the, that hurts the most. He pulled my hair out. <laughs> but I, he, he's, he's pretty rough. But, but it, when you wrestle him, you expect it and you want it because, right. you know, he's drunk. So he's got to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I mean, you can't, you can't help but know a fight's coming when he comes out to that entrance. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Not necessarily, you don't, you don't think it's going to be a fight, but you know it's going to be a struggle. Gotcha. Another question for you. Do you regret any of the crazy matches that you have performed in? Um, no, not really. Even though I got hurt seriously a lot, uh, I don't regret it. And sometimes I even got hurt and didn't get paid, and I don't regret it. It's just part of the course. It's, it's part of the journey. Who was a guy you couldn't stand to work with? <laughs> test. <laughs> I was going to say test. But it's test. Test, that's a better one. That's for sure. Test is number one. I hate it. Well, the so, thing with him was, go ahead. Thing with him was, his finish was a big boot to the face. Now, yes, he did that to me every time he hit me. He knocked me out with it. I said, if you can't work that, you can't use it. He goes, no, Vince wants me to use it. And he, and he said, told me to kill you with it. I said to Vince, I go, you want him to kill you with it? He goes, no, I want him to work it on you. I said, well, tell him it's a work. He don't know it's a work. He don't know how to work it. And Vince goes, if you can't work it, you can't do it. And he goes, okay, I'll work it. But like, he actually, like he didn't know how to work it. He, uh, I heard he was a little hard to work with because he always felt he should never sell for the smaller guys, right? Yeah, well, one time we're, we're somewhere and me and CM Punk and him were in a match and uh, uh, CM goes, I'll do this to you. And he goes, no, he goes, I'll do that to you. He goes, why not? And Tess goes, because I'm 6'7 and you're not. And me and some Punk look at each other and start laughing. Well, this guy's an idiot. How do you feel about CM Punk returning to wrestling? What was it like? Oh, it's good. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's good. Anything that brings spotlight back on wrestling again. And, and he's a good worker. I, I like him. And he's, okay. a, you know, I wrote, when I went to WWE, I rode with him. He, he picked me up from the airport the first time. That's awesome. Him and uh, Roadkill. But anyways, uh, I think it's, he's good for the business. If AEW called you, would you go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if they wanted me to wrestle, I'd have to have some time to get in shape, and I wouldn't say no. I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd tell them the truth. I'd tell them I'm hurt, and, and mm-hmm. it could be my last match. I don't know. But uh, if they wanted me to work backstage, I definitely would. Would you Would you help with the, the younger guys and, and yeah, showing them you know, what live TV Producing the match or whatever. Yeah. Uh, train guys or whatever they'd want me to do. See, the thing is, they I know they don't want to use me, and I got a bad reputation of taking things too personal. But that was when I was wrestling. If it's not my match and I'm just helping out, I'll help out. I won't, I won't give my, say, Sabu wouldn't do that. And Sabu wouldn't do this. Wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that at all. But I know that's what one of the part of their worries is that I, I take it too personal. Right. But I wouldn't take that too personal. You know, it's a job. Sabu, I got one more question for you before we wrap this up. You've had an awesome career so far. We can't <laughs> say it's over yet so far. <laughs> What is your favorite match of all time that you were in? Uh, well, because to get so much uh, hype over is the barbed wire match with Terry Funk. That's my favorite match, I guess. Actually, let me take that back. My favorite match is the first match I had in ECW, me versus Taz. 200 people there. I was wearing blue pants. It was the very first match I came in, and Taz was a Tasmaniac. He's still wearing the face paint and acting like Fred Flintstone. And that was my favorite match. When I watched it, it was great. You know, there's a lot of applause in it, of course, but the people, first time they see me, they didn't know how to react. They were scared to death. And, and uh, I had people even today tell me I gave them nightmares from that night. <laughs> <laughs> Sabu, you are the fucking man. The man. Thank you, Sabu, so, so much. Thank you. Once Thank again, you. have a great night, man. Hope to talk to you Thank soon. You. I had a good time. Thank you very much. Be safe. No problem. Thank you.